Hello, and welcome back to Browser History. Today, we're going to do a deep dive on the Black Eyed Peas. It is the first full-length episode. So I'm going to go over the history of the band, how they got together, um, a lot on their early days before they were even the Black Eyed Peas, and then towards the end, I'm going to go through and do blind items on each of the band members. So let's just dive right in. Let's just deep dive right in. Um, we start out with the original members who are William James Adams Jr., who is, as we know, Will I Am. He was going by Will 1X at the time. And then Alan Pinade Lindo Jr. I believe I pronounced that correctly. And that is who we know as Apple the App. That is what he was going by at the time. Um, and then their friends Dante Santiago, Mookie Mook, and DJ Motivate were also original members. And they were going by Tribal Nation. So Tribal Nation around 1992 was playing at a club called Ballistics in LA. It was formerly Whiskey A Go Go. Um, and it was actually kind of during the LA riots. Easy E heard them there and signed them to Ruthless Records. So after that, they changed their name to, and I don't know if it's pronounced like this or if it's just like the letters, but it's at Band Clan or maybe it's just A-T-B-A-N Clan. Um, it stands for A Tribe Beyond a Nation. And their first recorded song was with Easy E on his song, Mary Motherfucking Xmas, on his EP 5150 Home for the Sick. Uh, the way that I say these definitely does not sound as cool as when Easy E says them, but that is okay. <laughs> So in 1993, in October of 1993, they had an album set to come out um, and it was called Grassroots, but it was put on hold. And then in 94, they released a single called Puddles of H2O. And this was pointed out in a few different places, but the O is an O, like the letter. It's, it's not a zero. Oh, wait, isn't that how it's supposed to be? Okay, well, either way, it's the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Um, and then there was also a B-side called Let Me Get Down, and they were credited as being produced by the Black Eyed Peas. So that's kind of the first, na first time that the Black Eyed Peas pops up like that, but it was the name that Will1X and DJ Motivate had been producing under. So they produced, I think, most of Grassroots and really the rest of the Black Eyed Peas under that name. So, moving right along to 1995, Mookie Mook goes to jail for six weeks for an assault charge, and it makes him decide to leave the band. Somewhere else also said that there was an argument with the band, but I don't know if that's true, because most places just say that he went to jail for six weeks, and then that's what made him decide to leave the band, which, you know, I've never been to jail and also been in a band, so I don't know, like, why you would leave the band because of being in jail, but like, I'm sure being in jail really changes your perspective on a lot of things. So it maybe just didn't seem important to him afterwards. So March 26th of 1995, Easy e passes away um, from HIV AIDS. And 
they are dropped. I, I don't know if it's legal issues. A lot of people, a lot of places said legal issues, but I'm not sure what the legal issues were. So they were dropped from Ruthless Records. I think there was a lot that happened with Ruthless Records as Eazy-E died. I don't know what that is. Maybe I could do a deep dive on that in the future. So Ruthless Records owned the name at Band Clan and Will I Am had to, well, Will One X had to rebrand again, and he went with the Black Eyed Pods, and then he changed his name from Will One X to Will I Am, and then, you know, Black Eyed Pods stuck for a minute, and then, like, shortly after, they changed it to Black Eyed Peas, not really sure why, maybe just because it's a better name. So at that point, Dante Santiago leaves. He di- he does still work with the band. He works with the band, I mean, all the way through my research, all the way through the end of Fergie. I think he's still producing with them and writing with them. So he leaves, but he still does a lot of things with them. And then also in 1995, Jamie Louise Gomez joins, aka Taboo. And then Kim Hill. She is also signed at that point with Will I Am's record label, which was called I Am Music. Also in 95, they founded the Peapod Foundation, which was a charity organization, and they were putting on toy drives in LA. That's how they started the Peapod Foundation. Okay, so I'm kind of going to switch gears for a minute and talk about Kim Hill because I'm not going to do a separate blind item section on her, and there's not, like, a lot about her. She's only in the band for about five years, Um, but there was really interesting quotes from her. So, she did a piece with the New York Times in 2010, which she's in the band from 95 to 01. So, from 01 to 2010 she doesn't really talk about it at all and then all of a sudden in New York Times in 2010 she does this piece with one of their journalists so she says in this article that she left the band in 2001 because she was being over sexualized they've kind of said that that's not what happened but I don't think that they've said what did happen for her to leave the band but this is what she said in the article there was new management now so it's a whole different set of expectations and pressure it just started getting clumsy and messy. You want me to grind on Will I Am in a bathing suit? That was being asked of me, never by the guys. That was happening from an executive level. The tug of war was about my sexuality and how much of it I was willing to, like, literally strip down. I never wanted to be objectified while doing my music. She continues by saying, The pressure started coming to, like, soften it up and make it super commercial. I was like, we're not really going to do that, are we? And the guys were like, you don't have to go back to East LA if this doesn't work out. So I don't know. That doesn't really sound like she was just being over-sexualized and that's why she left. It kind of sounds like maybe there was some disagreement with the direction of the band. But she also says in this article that she has nothing but love for them. She says, no one handed them anything. They worked their asses off. They deserve it. Um, then they asked her about Fergie, which I think is weird because, like, I don't think they even know each other or met. But what she said about Fergie was if they met, it would, quote, be like an embrace with a hug and a deep breath because I think we just kind of know something about being that female in that construct and that it's tough. 
I don't know, the way she says that really makes me want to, like, put them in a room and then be the fly on the wall. Because what, what do you mean that she just knows? Like, ooh, I don't know, maybe I just really like to try to find conspiracy in things. That's probably all it is. It's just speculation from me, but that would be a really interesting conversation. So she did have a solo career for a minute, and then that's pretty much all on Kim Hill. Uh, so we're at 96, and she still is in the band till 01, but there's not a lot, like, specifically about her. It's all really just about the band until she leaves. All right, so back to chronological band history. We're in 96, um, and they record a demo in 96, and it includes a song called Joints and Jams, and that kind of spreads through college campuses and clubs in LA, and then ends up in the hands of one of the co-founders of Interscope Records. His name is Jimmy Iovine, Iovine? not really sure. So he signs them to Interscope with a $500,000 three-album deal, and they agree, Interscope Records agrees to oversee I Am Music, which is Will I Am's record label. So December of 97, which I also was born in December of 97, but they make their debut as the Black Eyed Peas, and they have a double single called Falling Up and K Dices, and a music video is released with it, and it's a sepia tone shot, kind of grainy video, and it really sets up their image as what they want, which is a conscious band and raw and speaking the truth and simple grassroots, peaceful, lyrical stuff. It's chill and think kind of where is the love, but better. <laughs> I did listen to Falling Up. It's pretty good. It's it's pretty chill. I also listened to, um, what was it called? Joints and Jams. I would say that one's honestly pretty good too. Early Black Eyed Peas kind of slaps if you've never heard them without Fergie. Just give like their kind of biggest ones a listen. Like Falling Up, their first single, and Joints and Jams is really good too. So finally, in 1998, they released their full their first full-length studio album. It's called Behind the Front. It's got 16 tracks. It includes re-recorded songs from Grassroots, including Joints and Jams, and it also debuts Macy Gray, who I love. I grew up listening to Macy Gray. Shout out to my mom for having great taste in music. There is a very specific album that she has that, wow, it just, it just hits my soul. It's like, I can go back and listen, like, feel like I did when I listened to it at, like, probably 10 years old. It's just so good. I have to look up which album it is. Okay, the album that I remember the most is called Big, and I'm, like, looking through it, and I remember all these songs. Glad You're Here is on there with Fergie. Um, there is one called Strange Behavior, and it is about killing your husband for insurance money and your husband trying to kill you for insurance money too and it's really really good there's also one with will i am called treat me like your money i know that you can tell from the title that it's a good song it's really funny and then there's also one with justin timberlake called get out okay so not to go off on a tangent but that is your homework you need to listen to those macy gray songs because i just think they're exceptional 
maybe not in like a technical way exceptional, but like this is a jam in an ironic way, kind of. Definitely like treat me like your money and get out. Definitely ironic. Strange behavior though. No, that's really good. Okay, oops on the Macy Gray tangent, but behind the front reaches number 37 on Billboard R&B charts and number 129 in Billboard Top 200, and they sold approximately 300,000 copies, and then they went on the road. They went on tour with Wycliffe Jean, Cypress Hill, Public Enemy, MOP, and Gangstar. I don't know all of those uh, bands. I do know Cypress Hill, obviously, Public Enemy, Wycliffe Jean, ooh, I always say that wrong, and, you know, just think about the, those, (laughs) those bands, and this time, and just imagine going to that tour. I, I can't, 1998, wow. So, in September of 98, they are still traveling. They go over to the UK for their first, like, award show that they were, like, up for, I think. It was M-O-B-O-U-K. I have no idea what that is. Um, And then they kept touring, including, which I had no idea until I started looking into this, Warp Tour. Black Eyed Peas was on fucking Warp Tour. Who who knew? Why did nobody fucking tell me that? Okay, anyway. So in 99, they start working on their second album, which is called Bridging the Gap. And then finally, on September 26th of 2000, they officially release Bridging the Gap which they say is their attempt to bridge the gap between different worlds, genres, and countries. Uh, it sold approximately 250,000 units. Macy Gray comes back, uh, and she had already, at this point, put out I Try, and she's on Request Plus Line on this one. Is it Request Line or Request and Line? I don't know. Anyway, she is on one of the songs and it becomes the group's first Billboard Hot 100 single request plus line, which is not the one I'm thinking of. The one that I was thinking of, I think is actually a Missy Elliott song and the beginning of it is like, um, on the request line. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to sing, but (laughs) so they tour with their new album in 01 and the label had like merged or something and they start working with a different wing of it. I don't, I don't understand that part, but this is also when Kim Hill leaves. So yes. And we know that's because over-sexualization, which mm, I mean, I'm sure she was being over-sexualized. I'm sure she was, but was that like really the reason? I don't know. So same year, Will I Am starts to recognize that they kind of need a female voice, and they ask Nicole Scherzinger. Schwerzinger? I know that I'm not saying that right, but from Nicole from the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, she declined though because she was under contract with her band Eden's Crush at the time. It's an interesting band name, uh, but you know, 2001. So. So in 01, they play a show with a girl band from Cali called Wild Orchid, and their lead singer is Stacy Ferguson, but Stacy Ferguson, aka Fergie, is struggling with drug addiction and disordered eating at this time, so this is not when they start working together. This is simply when they meet. So 01, Will I Am puts out his first solo album. And it's very experimental. There's lots of different genres. The ones that were listed 
jazz, electronica, funk, Caribbean, and trip-hop. Oh, I would like to listen to that. I've actually not heard Will.i.am's solo stuff at all. I don't want to, like, listen, listen, but I will check it out to hear all of those <laughs> genres come together, supposedly. We're working hard on their third album in the spring of 01, but we all know what happened in 01. So... They put that off for a little bit and they write this little ditty, ends up being part of Where Is The Love later on. So you heard it here first, Where Is The Love was inspired by (laughs) 9-11, which honestly, I probably should have known that anyway, but when I listen to the song now, I think of that and I know that there's generations that do not think 9-11 is funny, but I am not part of one of those generations. We all think 9-11 is a meme, and I just think it's hilarious that Where's the Love was a product of 9-11, just like, you know, My Kim and (laughs) Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey, if you know what I'm talking about. If not, maybe I'll do a deep dive on that too. Lots of ideas. All right. 02 now it's 2002 now and the black eyed peas do a campaign with dr pepper and it's called the bu campaign i don't know if anyone remembers it but i did look it up on youtube it is on youtube just (laughs) you can search 2002 black eyed peas dr pepper bu campaign it pops up and it's bad it's not like the worst thing ever but it's pretty bad and uh, audiences did not like it. They saw it as a blatant cry to reach Black and Latino audiences, and they are called sellouts. I mean, immediately they're called sellouts, which is interesting because they really haven't, like, taken off all the way yet. Like, they haven't reached the height of what Black Eyed Peas ends up being. At this point, they're more seriously looking for a female vocalist to accomplish a concept that they have for a song, which turns out to be Shut Up, which is a solid song. Uh, the One of the OG members, Dante Santiago, brings Fergie to the studio, and Fergie's sober now, and they record Shut Up, and everyone's like, all right, Fergie's got to be a part of this. She joins, and then at that point in 2002, we have the fully formed Black Eyed Peas as we best know them with the members Will I Am, Apple the App, Taboo, and Fergie. Then in 03, Ella Funk, the album is set to come out in the summer. They rework Where Is the Love to add Fergie. They had re- previously already recorded it with Justin Timberlake. And when they release it in June as this whole new group, they get to keep their social political roots, per se, and their conscious band look. This is obviously exactly what they were going for. And Where is the Love is just like a really good embodiment of what they were trying to accomplish, I think. Taboo said in an article for the Daily Mirror, it was as aces because it was letting people ask the question of themselves, not just the government. So then Where is the Love was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Rap or Sung Collaboration at the Grammys. They did lose, though, to Coldplay for Coldplay's Clocks for Record of the Year and then Crazy in Love by Beyonce and Jay-Z 
for best rap slash song collaboration. So this brings me to the first reason like big reason why I wanted to do a deep dive on the Black Eyed Peas. So on the exact same album as Where Is The Love, we all know that song. Where is the love, the love, the love, something about, you know, let me, let me just pull up the lyrics. So we got people killing, people dying, children hurt, hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach or would you turn the other cheek? can you practice what you preach? I don't know. It's just crazy things in here. You know, we need some guidance from above and wrong information always shown by the media. Negative images is the main criteria. Okay. So on the same exact album, we have the song, Let's Get It Started. And I think that we all know what Let's Get It Started was released as. I'm not going to fucking say it. Let's get our word. Ugh, God, awful. Anyway, it was released on the album in 03. And then after a year, they finally reworked the song. And the only reason they did it was because the NBA asked them to. The NBA wanted this song for the NBA Finals, and they asked the Black Eyed Peas to rework it, so they did, and it was released as a single, and then in 05, it won a Grammy for Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group. I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to practice what you preach, I don't know. I just feel like that is not... And to take like a whole year to rework it and only to do it because the NBA wants to include it in their stuff, like, it just seems very questionable. It makes Where is the Love seem that much more performative and their whole image of being sociopolitical and being a conscious group, I just think it's crazy to look back and and see that, you know, we were all hyping up Where Is The Love because it was such a good song. And then on the same exact album, they're repeatedly in the title, in the chorus, over and over using the R word. I don't know. I feel like if anybody was going to try to defend that song, the first thing that they would say would be like, oh, it was a different time. It was. I know, but I don't know, like, I'm sure I said it when I was a kid. I know I did, but I wasn't a, you know, Grammy winning performing artist and just to use it repeatedly with a platform like that, even in that time, I don't know. It still seems questionable. I'm I'm thinking back to 2007 and it still just doesn't seem right. I don't know. I will drop that for now, but in 2005 on June 7th, Monkey Business, their album is released and it does get mixed reviews as a whole, but it includes the songs Don't Funk With My Heart and My Humps, which both obviously end up being huge hits. And My Humps is regarded as setting the feminism movement back several decades, which there's probably some arguments for that, but I don't think that 
I don't think it's fair to put that all on my humps. I think that there were lots of other songs and artists that were doing way more to set the feminism movement back than my humps by the Black Eyed Peas. But, you know, that's just my opinion. What do I know? So despite that, in 2007, it was turned into a ringtone that sells 2 million units. And I think that that is just the best way to portray a song's success in 2007. You know, how many ringtones is it? How many people's phone are ringing my humps? I, I think mine was at one point. So also in 2007, my humps wins the best hip hop video at the 07 Grammys and the 07 VMAs. So that was a big, big hit for them. During that time, I believe that the big gap that I have between 2005 and 2007 is because they were on tour the whole time. That tour for Monkey Business was 137 shows. I don't know what is normal, but that sounds like a lot of shows to me. 137, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know what's normal for you know, an artist that is as big as the Black Eyed Peas were from 2005 to 2007, but 137 shows just still seems like a lot. But during that tour, they also announced that they were going to take a hiatus to work on solo stuff. Fergie releases a solo album during that time, The Duchess, which includes Big Girls Don't Cry, Fergalicious, and Glamorous. It reaches number two on the Billboard charts. It stays there for 40 or 94 weeks and sells five times platinum in the U.S. So that is a huge album, which it was very good. And William worked on that as well. He's on the song Glamorous. Is he on the song for Galicious too? I think he might be. But huge song for them. And then they are on a hiatus until 2009. A few things happened to them at this point individually and personally, but I'll cover those when I go over the blind items. So they come back in March from their hiatus and they release Boom Boom Pow as a single. And then shortly after that, they release I Got a Feeling. Boom Boom Pow is their first number one single. And then shortly after that, I Got a Feeling goes number one and stays there for 14 weeks. And then in June of 09, they released The End. The End is E-N-D. That stands for energy never dies. Um, the numbers are nowhere close to their other two albums. I mean, nowhere close. However, Boom Boom Pow and I Got a Feeling are two of the most downloaded singles ever. And I, if you think back to 09, those songs were literally playing everywhere. There was no way to escape those. Personally, I had both those songs on repeat on my iPod shuffle, like on repeat. I don't know why, but Boom Boom Pow, the hold that that song had over me was ridiculous. And why? I, I have no idea. In 09, I would have been like 12 or 13. So I don't know that Boom Boom Pow and I Got a Feeling, this just like changed my brain chemistry. I Got a Feeling made me want to be in college at a college party so badly. And I didn't know anything about a college party. And those two songs won big at the 2010 Grammys for them. They won Best Pop Vocal Album for The End. They won Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Group for I Got a Feeling and Best Short Form Video for Boom Boom Pow. I don't remember the video for Boom Boom Pow. I really should look it up and watch it again. But I want to say, like, when I think of the video, 
I want to think of like this, it's, it's kind of like this big figure that was like neon green, like graphing paper print. I don't know. It, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. It's weird, but that's what I remember from that song. It was very, very electro. All of their stuff on the end was very, very different from their earlier stuff, and it was well-received, but the day one fans knew that the end meant the end of an era for them. Um, in 2011, they released The Beginning, and it really does not make a lot of fuss or stir, I think the only one I can even recall from the album is I Just Can't Get Enough. I remember that video and I remember the music video for that. But during, while they're promoting the album, they announce that they're going to take an indefinite hiatus. So after 2011, after they do the album, The Beginning, they all keep kind of doing solo stuff um, during their indefinite hiatus. And then in 2015, Will I Am announces that they are coming back together for a 20th anniversary and a seventh album. And then they release two singles and they don't have Fergie in them. And then Will I Am did an article with BET at that point, I think. And they asked, you know, once and for all, is Fergie still a member of the Black Eyed Peas? And this is what Will I Am said. Yes, we are working on Fergie music right now. When people didn't see her in the yesterday video, they automatically thought Fergie is out of the Black Eyed Peas. But what people need to understand is that we were trying to celebrate the 20 summers of the Black Eyed Peas. It was 20 years ago that we started the Peas in July after Eze died. We turned the name of our production company into the Black Eyed Peas. After that, the rumors kind of continue on and off that Fergie isn't in the group anymore. And then finally in 2018, they released the single street living and in an interview with the daily star will i am addresses the fergie stuff once and for all he says we are now a trio i don't know why fergie isn't on the project you will have to ask fergie that oh shit okay all right will i am we get it <laughs> and honestly after that i'm not gonna tell you any more about the black eyed peas like i'm not doing any more history or that's it i who really after fergie leaves not that Fergie's, like, amazing or anything, but after Fergie leaves, like, who really cares? Like, I literally don't know any songs that they've released since Fergie left, and, I mean, it's the Black Eyed Peas, so I, I don't know. So that brings me to Blind Items, which is kind of my favorite part. Uh, so I'll go over each member, and I will share Blind Items about them, or um, some funny or weird things I learned about them. I don't have blind items on every single member. I didn't see anything on Crazy Days and Nights for Will I Am, but there was a different website that I can't even remember what the name of it. I didn't even put it down for credit because I just don't, I don't really believe this blind item, and it's not from NT. I really tend to only believe the ones from NT. I don't know why. I feel like that's what a lot of people do, but maybe not. I think a lot of people uh, subscribe to Dumois as well. I don't really listen to Dumois, but anyway, um, I digress. So, this blind item, which was not on Crazy Days and Nights, so if you're going to take blind items with a grain of salt, maybe take this with a, a, a particle of salt. I mean, just it's it's all allegedly anyway and this one's okay anyway let me just read it 
Which distinctly named member of a chart-topping pop group swings both ways? He, pres- he surprised his male talent escort at a recent Hollywood red carpet event with an invitation back to his hotel room. So apparently that is about Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. I don't know. I mean, maybe he does, but I don't know that that's why we would know if if he is bisexual or pansexual or anything. Um, and then he did have a controversy at the 2010 VMAs. Uh, he was performing with Nicki Minaj. Oh, yeah, they had that song, Check It Out, and he was performing with her, and he showed up with black makeup, like, all over his face, just covering his entire face, and people were saying that it was blackface-esque, um, so after that, he tweeted, just because I wear all black, including head mask, as an expression and emphasize my outfit, it shouldn't be looked at as racial. And then after that tweet got some pretty negative backlash, he said, are you guys serious? My outfit set black people back a hundred years. Choose your twits wisely. No educate, no education sets black people back. No jobs, bad health. So, I don't know. That's, it's interesting. I don't really have a take on whether it's blackface or not. I am not the person who gets to decide that. Um, But that's really all that came up when I was looking into any, like, controversy or anything that he's been a part of. Oh, there is, um, there is one more thing that he said that he tweeted after that. He said, there are far more important things to bark about not a black man wearing all black everything. So, I don't know. The, I will say the outfit that he was wearing too kind of did look like the cover art for the single that he was performing, which was Nicki Minaj's Check It Out. So, I don't know. The only other thing that I have on him is that in 1996, he produced an album for Brian Austin Green. And if you don't know who Brian Austin Green is, that is Megan Fox's ex-husband. And that's what I know him as. I know that he was probably a part of or not probably, but he was a part of some show. I don't know what it was. I read it once and I didn't recognize what the show was, so I don't think I even included it. But yeah, Brian Austin Green. So that's pretty funny. I really am kind of curious as to how that music sounds, but I didn't look it up. I'm not that curious, I guess. Um, so for Apple the app and also Taboo, I really didn't find much. For Apple the app, uh, He's from the Philippines, and he does a lot of charity and humanitarian work there. Uh, I read a little bit about what he was doing, and it, it all seemed very... Like, it seems like that's kind of what he's been doing after... I, I guess they're still... I guess the Black Eyed Peas is still a band, and they are still making music, but I think what he focuses on, mostly during the hiatuses and things like that are is the humanitarian work that he does in the Philippines. He's also legally blind. I don't know. That was the only other interesting thing, I guess, that I found. Um, and then Taboo, the, literally the only news articles about him, only him, were about him having cancer. He is in remission now. I think it was testicular cancer, and he is in remission now, so that is good to hear. Okay, this brings us to Fergie. So, 
there's a lot of blind items on Fergie. I think there's kind of a lot of controversy surrounding her too. I found a lot of blind items. I don't know that Inti really likes her. See, I put down Inti doesn't really like her. And then there is a blind item that I will read to you that is, I mean, just really going in on her. And it's, I, I mean, he has direct experiences with these people when he is talking badly about them. So... I, something, Fergie must have really done something to him because they're not really great. Uh, there was one about her being into BDSM and I didn't really like, it was an old one and I really didn't like what NT wrote in it. Um, some of those are really not great. Some of those old ones, which I think he's talked about, but she has talked about having a past with drugs and gangs in 2009, there was a blind about her husband cheating on her with a stripper. And then a little bit after that, she did an interview about it with Oprah. But, and he said that the interview was pretty vague. Now, I didn't watch the interview because genuinely, I kind of don't care. Like, I don't know who her husband is. I think other people do. I think that he is famous of his own right, but I don't know what for. I Maybe he's an actor. I'm not really sure. But, there is some really bad stuff about Fergie on Crazy Days and Nights. This is just part of one of his random photo posts that he used to do really, really often. And the top of it just says, fair warning. Towards the bottom of the photos is a photo of some bare ass. There's also a photo of Fergie. Luckily, the bare ass and Fergie are not the same photo. And then refers to her as a Spade brother. It's a picture of her and David Spade together. And she's he says the Spade brothers. Oh, man. Uh, after that, he roasts her for naming her son Axel. <laughs> says, oh, I didn't, I didn't save that blind item. Yeah, he was just going in on her for naming her son Axel because... It was kind of, I think it's, it's because it's spelled A-X-Y-L, um, which is like Axel Rose, I think. So, I don't know. He didn't like that. It, it is kind of a terrible name. I think it was like Axel Lee or something. Um, but this is the one that I think really seals the deal that Indy does not like Fergie. So, this is what it says. Did you know Fergie hates bloggers and think they don't have anything positive to say? Well, here is something positive. I am positively not going to say anything nice to you or about you. I hope you can show up sober for the Australian MTV Awards. You said in your interview that you would never not wear panties and implied you wouldn't do so because you don't take chemicals such as drugs or booze. Considering this interview took place right after you got to London after you were denied boarding a flight because you were too drunk. That takes a lot of balls, which, you know, there were other blind items about her struggle with drugs and alcohol, and we know that that's true. She spoke on it herself, but also because the second big reason that I decided to do the Black Eyed Peas Deep Dive, which is the 2006 Billboard Award performance of Fergalicious. Let me just say, this is probably my favorite video on the internet. Um, 
it's so bad. It's so bad. Will I am really holds his own in this performance. And I mean, he really carries the team here. He's vibing. He's really feeling it. But damn, Fergie just cannot hang. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. Um, I will post a clip of it on my Instagram. It's just, it's unreal. It, she's just mumble rapping. I, I really need you to watch this. It, you know, I'll post the clip on my Instagram, but you got to watch the full version. The whole entire thing, she is just hanging on by a thread. She is just hanging on for dear life, really in the fucking trenches. I, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I eventually stopped scrolling on Crazy Days and Nights because, they were all pretty bad, all of the blind items on her, and there were a lot of them, and I'm not doing a deep dive on Fergie. I'm doing a deep dive on the Black Eyed Peas. If you want me to do a deep dive on Fergie, I will entertain the idea, you know, let me know, but I there, there was a lot. I do have one more blind item. It's about the Black Eyed Peas as a whole, um, but I will go ahead and read that. This one member of a former quartet turned trio says the fourth member won't be replaced. Then, um, why were you holding auditions for a fourth? A female member just like the other departed member? Someone you were offering a salary of not even union scale, which is shockingly low. That was just for fun. The ones you made audition in a bikini to make sure they, quote, looked appropriate. And that was about the Black Eyed Peas after Fergie left. Um, so that's pretty interesting. That was from July 23rd, 2018. Um, so that's all I have. That's, that's all my blind items. That's the history of the band. Um, I, I enjoyed looking up all of this stuff and kind of, a lot of it was kind of a blast from the past. Uh, but thank you for listening all the way through and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please head over to my Instagram, give me a follow, and check out the video. The Instagram is at Browser History Podcast. Um, and then I do plan, I do have a plan for my next one, but it's going to just be kind of ramblings about Taylor Swift's Midnight's album. I'm a huge Swifty. I am a believer in Kaylor, Gaylor, Daylor just the queerness of Taylor Swift in general. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about Midnight's. So hopefully, hopefully somebody wants to listen to that and uh, <laughs> listen to all of my thoughts about Taylor Swift. Um, but if you have anything else that you want to hear from me or any suggestions, I would love to hear them. Just head over to my Instagram and shoot me a message.